And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Dennis Bullock. Dennis had near-death experiences where he encountered God, an angel, and his own soul. And today we're going to talk about it. Dennis, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome. Hey, thank you for having me, Jeff. It's, it's a real pleasure. As you may know, my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences. So can we start on the day that your first one happened? Okay, well, um, I have two experiences when it comes to that. Um, the first one uh, was when my mother passed away. Um, I was very close to my mother. We, we, we really loved each other. And uh, I was 29 years old at, the, at that time. And um, I, I wasn't ready for her to die, and uh, but she died, and um, I was so sad that uh, I was basically drinking every night. I had an apartment in Canada, and I was drinking every night and come home and just fall asleep crying. <laughs> I was just so sad that she had had left, and um, this one particular night. Now, this particular experience, I didn't die. Uh, my body was, uh, I, I didn't die. But what I experienced in this experience, uh, I would say, was this, the same <laughs> as if I did. Um, I came home, and normally when I come into my room, I just turn off the lights and fall asleep crying because I, I was just really wiped out. I was not prepared at 29 years old to to lose my mother she had bought me i'm a musician uh, singer and she had bought me my first saxophone and and she didn't even have a job she was saving money and uh when she passed away it was like my world passed away so this one night i came home from my usual sad routine um and i sat on my bed gonna cry myself to sleep just thinking about her and i turned out the light in the room well i i looked down on my my shoe and i i started to unt i was going to untie my sneakers and then i saw that the light was on the light is there's light and when i looked up this is the incredible thing when i looked up it was if the sun that you see in the sky was in my room and all of a sudden, this like wave of love, it just covered me. Like when you're in an ocean and the waves come and it's too high and it just covers you. Except imagine that love, that that's love. It just covered me. And then um, out of this light came an, another big light, but not as big as the sun, a little much smaller. And then another light, much smaller. And then uh, I recognized that the smaller light was my mother. And she came to me and she talked to me. And and the first thing I said to her was, wow, it's like that over there. It was so much love and so incredible. I mean, it's like going to Hawaii uh, and sitting in the perfect, perfect temperature and just totally happy and totally relaxed. It, hundred times it was just incredible and i said it's like that over there and 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 i said you're okay because i 
in my mind, I didn't know what had happened to her. I just know she was no longer alive. And um, so she said to me, I'm going to tell you one week in the future that so you're never going to forget this and that you're going to know that this is real. This is not a dream. So she said to me, she said, um, in a week from now, you're going to get a job, a music job. And she said, there's a, a bouncer, a guy, a doorman, and he's huge. And she said that he is uh, like a homosexual or something like that and, um, and a psychopath. And he said, she said that he's going to try to make a pass at you. And my mother told me, she said, don't um, fight this guy. Just uh, tell him you're not like, you're not into that and walk away. But don't get into any argument, a big argument or, or, or fight. Because she knew me at that time. At 29, I was vigor. And, and, and there's nothing against um, if anybody's gay or something like that. There's nothing against them. But... I'm very, I was, at 29, I was very like, hey, you know, you know I'm not gay, so don't try to, you know, try to come on to me. So, and she knew I would have really was ready to fight or punch somebody out about that. And she told me, that's why she told me, she said, but don't fight the guy, don't get into any argument, he's a psychopath. And and me, I didn't care. I mean, the guy was like huge, like maybe two or three of me. <laughs> and... um so she told me that's going to happen. She also told me that the girlfriend that I had at that time um, has three kids and that you don't know that she has three kids. And she, and she said, <laughs> my mother said that um, she's going to try to have a fourth kid with you against your, your will. Like, you know, she's going to tell you sh she's on the pill or whatever, but she's not. She's going to try to, that's, that's, and you're going to know this is going to happen. And then you're going to know that all of this that you see now uh, is real, and that it happened. And then I, I was so much into the, the, the vibration of the whole thing. My room was lit up like, like Star Wars. And so I said, I, I, and, I, and then my question went to, what's this other light? And, and the other light was like an angel or an escort. And um, the other light said, because I, I said, I'm going to take advantage of this moment. Oh, my God, I, I can talk to God right now. I'm taking advantage of this moment. Hold up. I said, who am I going to marry? And, and how many kids are we going to have? And, and you know, uh, why am I here? And all this stuff like that. And the angel said to me, I'm going to tell you all of those, the answers to all those questions, but you won't be allowed to remember it said, "You're. This is an interruption. This is exact words of the angel. This is an interruption of your life." And what I got was because the connection between you and your mother of that was so much love. Um, that love, um, there is no, there's no boundaries to love. It, it can reach across from from death to life. Uh, there's no boundaries. That's all I knew, and that's why she was able to kind of burst a hole into this life and and to tell me whatever she needed to tell me that I would be okay because I was basically I was kind of like suicidal not that I was going to take my life but I didn't care if I got hit by a car tomorrow I didn't care because I felt once she had gone my whole world was gone you know um so 
the angel told me everything. And then, of course, um, my mother told me that she loved me and that, that she will always be around me. But she said, I won't, I won't realize it as much as I do this night. You, you, she said, I won't realize it, but she always will be there and always be around. And then her and this, this angel kind of slowly glided away. And then as they glided away, it was like, how can I explain? It was like um, somebody slowly turning the heat down. <laughs> you know, it, it was, it slowly started to melt away like an ice cube, like, yeah, like a piece of ice that's in a glass and the ice is melting away. That's how it, it just went away. And as it was going away, I just tears rolled down my face because I said, nobody's ever going to believe me. They're going to never believe that this happened. But I had the proof. That week I got a job, just like she said, I didn't have a music job at that time. I had, uh, Maybe it's been like two or three weeks. There was no music job. Then all of a sudden, I got a job, just like she said. So I go to this job, and there's these two huge bouncers, okay? And I'm kind of looking at them because I'm like, hmm, this is all just like mom said. And um, so I go into the club, and uh, my band, we're getting ready, we're performing, and we take a break, and then... uh, this bouncer passes by me and then he brushes his hand against my, my bottom, you know, my butt. And then he goes in the corner and he looks at me like, you know, like, like, I don't know if he was testing me or see if I was gay or whatever. I don't know. And then at first I was, I I, I was, he did this while I was standing talking to my friends, my music friends, we were talking. I had my back to him and he was walking by and, you know, he, he did it in a way that they couldn't, my friends couldn't see that he was doing it. It just looked like the guys walking by me. But I felt it. I was like, what? And, and, and then I, I told my friends, I said, hey, guys, did you see that? And they said, no. I said, this guy just grabbed my, my butt, you know. This guy's crazy, man. I, I got I to gotta tell him I'm not that way. And, you know, so as I went over there and... Uh, told him he said you had too much beers that's all you had too many beers and i and I, and i was getting ready to get into to more than my i remember my mother my mother said no no i remember what my mother said don't get into any arguments with him he's a psychopath he's so i said so i said i just and he and also said the guy said why did you tell your friends <laughs> i said i told them because they that's what you did and 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 then i said i'm not that way man and then i walked away from him and that night, I left the club. The next day, the club owner, who was a friend of mine, got both of his ribs broken by this guy. And this guy went to jail for manslaughter. Wow. And it even gets deeper than this. And after I found that out, then I, I, I called my girlfriend at that time. And I said to her, tell me something. Just tell me the truth. Do you have three kids? Hmm. And she, you know what she said? How did you find out? Who told you? I had been seeing her for a year and I'd never, 
knew that she had kids. She, she, she lied to me, basically. And she said, who told you? I said, just tell me, do you have three kids? She says, yes, but who told you? And I said, I'm going to tell you, my dead mother told me. Mm. And I said, and I was angry with her. And I said, um, it's over between me and you because how can you deny your, your own kids? I mean, I would have, I would have been, I might've been okay with you with three kids, but, but you, 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 you lied to me for a year that you had no kids. You know, so I said, it's over between me and you. I said, I don't know what else you might be lying about, you know. So so I left her, and that was my mother's way to make sure that I knew that that was not a dream, that was not a, a, a situation. That guy is in jail today. The The club owner had his both his ribs crushed because this guy is huge. I'm talking about, you know, uh, you know the wrestling type, Hawk. Mm-hmm. Hugh, Hawk Hugan, you know, the, the big Hawk, Hawk Hogan. Yeah, the big Western type of guy. So, yeah, so that was my experience. Uh, that was my first experience. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I want to ask you a few questions about that, if you don't mind. Yes, yes. When you saw your mother, did you see her like as a light being? Or did you? See- yes. Listen, I, I, it's like first the sun, which was God. Mm-hmm. That I knew that was God. And they kind of like walked out of it. But when I say walk, I mean, I didn't see legs or nothing. I just saw two lights. One was big, a little bigger than the other. And the small light was my mother. And they mm-hmm. were coming towards me out of the big light, out of this grand, the sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, um it, it, it was it was such an incredible scene. Uh, uh, yeah. Was the amount of love you felt undescribable? Undescribable. It was like a, like waves of love. It was just covering me totally. It totally. I mean, it's like if you're dry. If you if you go with the dry clothes and a dry body, and you go to the beach, and a big wave just covers you. That's how it felt. Like love, just every inch of me was like covered in love and uh and that's why the first thing i said to my mother was it's like that over here mm-hmm. oh my you know i was like blown away wow <laughs> yeah i was just blown away it's interesting because your mother must have been able to see the future and she's still looking out for you and she had to change the future or something yeah, yeah. because you know she even told me I, I don't know if i mentioned that but she even told me when she was talking with me and from her soul to to me she said, she said, don't fight this guy because either two things are going to happen, like two prop- probabilities. She said, either he's going to kill you or you're going to kill him, but you go to jail for the rest of your life. Right. And uh, so I knew definitely. I said, no, mom, I'm not going to fight this guy. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to do exactly. And, and luckily I did because the club owner didn't, the club owner just went for it naturally and he almost lost his life. Crushed, this guy crushed both of his ribs, cages, both. Has the memory of that experience faded or is it still as clear today as it was when it happened? The funny thing about it is that it's even more clear than some of my earthly memories that I remember. It stays, for some odd reason, it stays clear in my head. 
it just never gets old. If I think about it, I, I can see it even as we're talking. I can see the image of, of them coming out. I can see the image of the two lights and the small light was my mother. And, and I can, we were talking, but telepathically, she was just, but it was like I heard her voice, but in my head. And she was answering and talking and giving me answers and kind of like shooting it into my head, her answers and her voice if she had a question. The angel was very neutral, neutral. He, or he, I wouldn't say it's a he, but it, whatever, um, only answered if I asked questions. And sometimes it told me things um, like, you know, this is an interruption in your life. This is why this is happening. But it was very neutral. It was not like, you know, nothing else. It didn't have a lot. It was almost... It was almost robotic, if you could say, um, but but not but the love from it was incredible. That's why I knew it was an angel because it was the love was coming from it. Incredible, but it was very neutral and gave the perfect I would say perfect answers, <laughs> perfect to the perfect questions. And mm-hmm. I was excited talking to it, but it was just very kind voice, but very uh, neutral, very very controlled, very easy. Right. Did you get the feeling that the angel was your own personal guardian angel or it was an angel escorting your mother? I got more of the feeling that it was an angel escorting my mother. Okay. Because I had the feeling that my mother, I mean, this happened two weeks after she died. And I I, I have the feeling that she was not still not quite used to the other world as much as much. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think I felt as if that she, it's almost the feeling like she was telling this angel, "You got to get me to my son because my mm-hmm. son is having problems. You got to get me over there again." And and it's like the angel, I felt like it was like the angel was like, "Okay, we'll get you in because it's it's love that you're feeling. It's love. It's we'll get you in, no problem." That's what I felt that their relationship was. That's just the sense I had with. It would have been great to hear that conversation between your mother convincing your angel, like, you've got to get me to see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's like, um, because she, in that other world, was covered with love, but I could still feel her slightly a little bit nervous for me. Mm-hmm. Because, um, and, and I could feel that she, this angel, this escort angel, knew how to get from that world to this world. It knew. It had. It had. It just knew. And my mother needed that because my mother. I feel she probably didn't know how how it all works yet. Still, <laughs> that's that's the feeling I got. And um, yeah, but but they got through and 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 also I think that kept me from another path in my life that I probably would have taken if she hadn't come. Because uh, I was, you know, at 29, I was pretty, pretty uh, wild kid and um, not aggressive, but could be if if somebody bothers me and I'm not bothering them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was, you know, full of vigor. I call it the roar, the roaring twenties, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so I, I was, you know, I wasn't looking for trouble, but but if trouble came my way, it was like a western. I can handle it, yeah. <laughs> you know. You know. Were you in a period of self-doubt and then after what she told you actually came to happen, 
Did that change you? Oh, tremendously. <laughs> um, it changed me to the point that, well, it first thing it did was put a security that your mother is fine. She's even better than she was in this life. She's even better. She's even a, a thousand times better. She's fine. So that was a relief. I could go, and she's, she's still alive. She's fine. She came to visit you. She gave you the proof. My, my whole thing was, uh, after that experience, was that nobody else would believe me. And uh, uh, only people who I knew did, did believe me was my girlfriend at the time, because she knew that it was no way that no, I, I could find out unless that really happened. My mother, my mother told me. And uh, also the situation in the, with the band and the, this crazy um, bouncer guy, I didn't tell nobody about my mother thing because I felt, you know, they would think I'm crazy. You know, they, they would say, oh, you know, Dennis, he's a great singer, great artist, great singer, great saxophonist, but I think he lost it when his mother died or something crazy like that. So I was afraid to tell them. That's why I didn't tell them about that situation. But... Um, yes, it changed me to the fact that I knew that there was something out there um, after this life. I didn't have, like, all the details. Um, you know, I didn't have big conversations with God. It was like, the basic feeling was my mother came as a visit. It was like a visit, a breaking into my world, just to take me off the path of this um, kind of almost suicidal way I was going mm -hmm. and probably would have got worse if I didn't have that happen. Um, so she took me off that path right away. That from that day on that it happened, I was cured. <laughs> I was, I was cured um, uh, with her death. I was okay with it. I understood it. Um, but I still had a lot of questions about the afterlife because I didn't get, I didn't get all the answers. Like I said, the angel didn't allow me to remember certain things but what my mother told me i remembered but she only she told me she was only allowed to tell me a week in advance that's that's what she told me well that was again a great story and let's go ahead and move on to your next one the next one happened about five years after um i was i'm a musician an artist and i i have to admit i, I was kind of living a little bit on the wild side with uh, drugs, rock and roll, and, you know, uh, uh, women and all that stuff. And um, this one, I was living in Canada, Montreal, Canada at the time. And um, a friend of mine, um, I won't say his name because I don't want to protect his family, but uh, he was doing drugs and um, I was doing it with him, drugs, and uh, he died. He was my best friend. He was a little older than me. He, he was actually one of the one of the lead singers of the Platters, and um, he he was like my mentor. You know, he was like great singer. Uh, you know, he had record deals. He was everything, and he introduced me to these drugs. And um, uh, when he died, I stopped cold turkey. I just stopped. I said. I said, if I continue like that, I'm going to be like, like him. And I stopped. So I, so I, what I did to replace that drug was uh, marijuana. 
So I was smoking marijuana and um, just smoking, that's all. And one day, me and my girlfriend at the time, um, we decided, um, because we couldn't get marijuana, we wanted to get it in a cake. And um, because uh, I never had it in a cake, I didn't realize what it, what, what having marijuana in a cake could do. So this other friend of mine made a cake full, full, full of marijuana. And he left. He left. He brought the cake and then he left. So it's just me and my girlfriend. So she took a piece. I took a piece. And 20 minutes went by. Nothing happened. So we said, this is crazy. Nothing, nothing's happening. So what do you think we should do? She said, well, the cake tastes pretty good, so we should just maybe eat the whole cake, which was a very bad mistake. So we ate the whole cake. She took half, I took half. And for the first 20 minutes, nothing happened. And I said, maybe it was just a bad batch all the way, you know. But the ne- after 20 minutes, everything started happening. My body started to shut down. I was talking with her, and I said, I- I'm forgetting to breathe. I forgot, oh, yeah, I should breathe. <laughs> and uh, she was doing the same. Our bodies were starting to touch, uh, shut down. I was, it was hard for me. It was beginning to be hard for me to move. And she told me, call 911 now while you still can. And I said, okay, I'm going to the phone. And so I, I went to the phone and I, I dialed 911. And I said, come, it's an emergency. <laughs> I was embarrassed to say it, but uh, we ate a cake full of marijuana and, and it's too much. And I, I feel like I'm, we're dying or something. Can you come? <laughs> can you come save us? So um, I hung up the phone and... Of course, in Canada, when you have a, anything that has to do with drugs, the ambulance came, but also the police came. So the police came expecting to charge us with something, but there was no more cake left, so there was no more marijuana. So there was nothing, <laughs> nothing there. So they left, and the ambulance took us. And when they took my blood pressure, I think it was 130 over something, which was like extremely deadly and uh my girlfriend's was a little bit lower she had more of a chance um so with and this is like at um the ambulance is coming at three or four in the morning by the way so (laughs) all my neighbors are like what happened you know they we had stairs and i was in a stretcher my girlfriend was in a stretcher all these flashing lights (laughs) and you know it was crazy. So we were rushed uh, to the hospital and uh, they took my girlfriend in one room and they put me in another hospital room by myself and they gave us this black liquid to drink. I think it was called tar. So once once they came and got me, I was like, because I was literally holding on to life because I felt like um, I'm going to die if I don't constant, really concentrate to hold on to life, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to die. Because everything was shutting down. So I was in my hospital room, and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm finally here. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to make it, you know. 
So I drink this tar and um, it tastes horrible. And um, I'm laying on the bed. I'm in the hospital room by myself. They, they, they were looking after my girlfriend. I think she was having some other kind of problems. Um, but I was in the hospital room for about maybe an hour and a half, two hours alone. Nobody was watching me because they felt that once I drink the tar, it's going to detox me. I'm going to be fine. But what happened was I was laying on the bed and all of a sudden I heard my heart and it was beating slower. Boop, 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 boop. And then I popped out of my body and it was very relaxing. It was not like a heart attack or nothing like that. It was very relaxing. It was just slowly beating. And I, what I gather now is that probably my heart, was beating so hard to keep me alive all that time while the waiting for the ambulance and all that stuff that when it was time to relax, it relaxed too much. And um, my heart stopped. And the minute that it stopped, I just popped out of my body, just popped out. And I, and I, and I said, first thing I said then was, Hey, I'm out. That's the first thing I said. I was like shocked. And then the second thing I said, I'm out. And then I looked at my hand. And when I looked at my hand, my hand was like the color between gray and light blue. Um, kind of like similar to if you ever turn off a TV and you hear that the screen, there's no channel. It's just, shh, you know, it's late night. You, you ever have that when you look at the screen? I mean, there's no, um, there's no. Yeah, static, exactly. But in that static, there's colors, actually, if you really look. Uh, that's similar to what my hand looked like, except with a gray, light bluish tint to it. So I'm looking at my hand, and I'm out. And, and, and the, the thing that was amazing for me was that it didn't feel that much different than when I was in. It was like, it was like, it's like yawning. You yawn and you're here and you yawn and you're not here. It was that easy. That, it was no difficult, oh, I'm dying. None of that. It just, one second I'm here, next second I'm out. And I'm standing next to my bed, my hospital bed. And I'm looking around. And as I look around the hospital room, all of a sudden the hospital room starts to look like a museum. This is my best way, closest way to describe it. It did not look real. Through my spiritual eyes, it looked like a museum. Like if you go to, you know, a museum in Frankenstein's house or, you know, those museums with the props and all that stuff. It looked like that to me, to my soul. And then here's another surprising thing that surprised me. There was a, a sink in my hospital room and a drop of water was dropping from the sink. Just boop, boop. And for some odd reason, my curiosity, part of my personality, was at 100%. I was so curious about this drop of water that I, I looked at the drop of water and I wanted to see it from every angle you could see this drop of water. And uh, this part gets to be hard to explain, but um, I'm going to try. Um, I looked at this water and... and uh, 
I see I see the water dropping, and I say I, I want to see that water from every angle. And for some odd reason, like if if you if you haven't ridden a bike a bicycle for ten years, and somebody hands you a bicycle, you're going to know how to ride it. You're still going to know how to ride it. Well, that's how it felt. I said, the drop of water was dropping. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop time. And I put my hand across just like that, just a wave of my hand. The drop of water froze in midair. Okay. My vision, I could, at will, it would just, sorry, at will, it would just come close and far. And then, then it got even deeper. Then I said, I want to see it from every angle. And then five of me appeared. Five of, of me. One was looking on the bottom of the water. One was looking on the, on the front of the water. One was looking on the left of the water. One was looking on the right of the water. And it all was me. Um, my face and kind of like a white silhouette of a body. I would say. And <laughs> this is the part. I would open my hand and the five would appear in front of the water. I would close my hand and it would all go back to me as one. And that fascinated me. So I kept doing it like boom, 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 <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And then I would do it with a little shake. And then it would appear with a little shake, five of me. And then I pulled it back. It was like Bugs Bunny, I tell you. And I burst out laughing on the other side. And that was something amazing too, because when I burst out laughing, it sounded like my laugh was in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> it, it, it echoed into eternity. I laughed just like when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, this is so much fun. I was having a ball. I was. I said, and and the other thing was, oh yeah, I didn't tell you. The other thing is, how can I explain? Oh yeah, like yeah, you have Alka Seltzer. You know Alka Seltzer water. You, the pills you drop it in the water, Alka Seltzer, and it bubbles. The longer I stayed outside my body, the more information was coming to me. It was like. You know, the only thing I can explain is like those Alka-Seltzers. You know, the more it stays in the water, the more it, it, it goes away. Well, this was the opposite. The more I stayed outside there, the more information I get. And it was like swelling. It was more information, more information. So um, I was having a, a ball. I mean, I was just having a party with my little powers because I, I, I saw that I was having more and more power. Power. And then... I could feel, I couldn't see, but I felt that somebody was watching me. And they kind of, very gently, like uh, as if you touch somebody's hand, they very gently put a thought in my mind and said, um, like, don't you think you should get back? Because if you, if you stay out here, uh, you won't be able to go back after a while. And then I said, oh, yeah, that's right. And then I pointed myself because I never, this is the other thing, I never wanted to look at my dead body. That kind of scared me a little bit. I didn't want to look at it, but I knew that it was on my left. 
at that bed. And I just pointed my, my soul in that direction and jumped right into my body. My heart, boom, started to beat again. And that was it. And that was the whole experience. Oh, yeah, there's one more thing I forgot to say. I, this time, I did come back with some information. And the information uh, I got, things that, uh, that surprised me was um, that everything is connected. Um, we all, uh, there, oh yeah, there is no um, right or wrong, only perception, and that even the most wrong things uh, have a plan to it. Uh, an evolution to it, a plan to it, in in the plan of love. Even the most horrible things, and also that um, each soul ch chooses a certain uh, path to experience, because on the other side, you, um, there's only love, pretty much. And um, it's hard to experience um, hate or anger or or uh, not having something, or not having this, or not having that on the other side. Because on the other side, uh, you create everything with your thought. And it's basically as real as this earth, or even more real, I would even say. You create everything. But when um, it's the difference is, I, I guess you can say, you read all the books on how to drive a car, but you never drove a car. You know all the information about how to drive a car, but you never really drove a car. And that's what coming to Earth is sort of about. It's sort of about the more of the experience. Uh, you make a plan for your your soul um, to experience. And it's not, uh, well, at least what I, in my experience, what I got from the other side was that it's not to learn um, lessons that you don't know as a soul and you, you come to learn a lesson No. Um, it's more to experience, and you you can learn some things from the experience, yes, but it's not because you need to, or you, or or you, or 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 you you you're wasting your your soul life because you know everything already. But as far as experiencing certain things, you need to lower your density to come to the earth to experience. Because on the other side, it's high density. It's high. It's high vibration. It's no low, no low vibrations. So that's part of the download. Um, what else did I get from that? Uh, everything is God. There's no right or wrong. It's about perception. That's another thing, too. How you look at things. Uh, don't judge people. Um, because actually you're judging yourself. Because they're part of you. You're part of them. We are expressions of God. Um Oh, yeah, that's the other thing, too. Uh, uh, I laughed because I said, you know, I, I was a, sort of a Christian uh, when I was in my teens. I was raised as a Christian. And um, the thing was, I mean, in the Christian world, I mean, if you die high, you're supposed to go to hell or something. And uh, there was no hell. There was no no hell, nothing like that. So um, what I got was that um, if you believe in something strong enough on the earth plane, you kind of can create it in the spiritual world. 
So what I get is that people who who die and if they experience some kind of hell, it's probably because they believe that they're, they're, that it exists and they created it with their soul. And they don't stay there forever. Once they realize that they they created, they're creating this, they get out and they leave. And the same thing for heaven. Um, and what, is there, what else did come down to me? Oh, yeah. Um, many Jesuses, something like that. I felt uh, there, there were many Jesuses, and there uh, there was one, but there were many um, who came with the same beliefs. Um, but um, and it's nothing against people who have their religions, but on the other side, for me, um, uh, there was no real religion, only love. That was the religion, if you want to call it that. Um, but there was people who believed in Jesus and buddha and stuff like that and they may see him and for that entity or that spirit they 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 um believe who they are that's what they believe so so they exist and also because people believe in that you can create um um entities somehow that exists because of your belief in that system because you're such a god that whatever you think on the other side you can create you can create it. Just just think about it, concentrate on it, and it's done. Boof. Um, that's basically it. So it changed me in a way that um, I stopped to... I, I'm more open about people as far as what who they are and, 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 uh, and how I treat them. If I don't like something about them, I'm not as quick or as aggressive to to tell them this or tell them that I'm more because what you, you giving out, uh, it's affecting that. Oh yeah. That's another thing. I felt that what you give out, it's affecting them more, um, in their life than you realize, than, you know, it touches them more than, you know, so everything you do, uh, everything you say, it's like, um, like waves of it waves of effect, I, I would say. Like uh, if you put in a, a drop a rock in a pond and those waves go out to the, the whole pond, that's how it is. It goes out to eternity, whatever you say, think, or do. Um, there's no judgment. Uh, if anything, I would say you judge yourself, kind of. And when I say judge yourself, you judge more like, well, this is the download I felt that you're going to judge more of what you've, how you handled the earth life and did you hold on to who your real soul was those principles that are you we are basically love so we have to hold on to that and yeah that's about it i think that's that that's pretty much what i got that and that changed me in the way of music um i don't i'm not so much about uh, you know getting ahead so much or getting this or getting that i'm more about doing something I love to do and presenting it to the people and hope that they going to like it too. Um, before I was very career orientated. Oh, I've got to get this. I've got to do that. I've got to do that. I've got to play with this one. I got to get it with that person. Uh, now, not so much. Now it's more, I create songs. I, I write, I teach. And if it gets out great, if it doesn't, it's still great because it's a creation of love and that's going to, 
touch the people. If I could touch one person, that's great. If I can say something nice about some one person, that's going to be super because that is more powerful than we think. That's what I want to say. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Did you get a sense of who the being was that was speaking to you? Uh, no. Now that's, that's, that's the only mystery about that. Um, because I almost get the sense that that being was um, probably guardian angel, maybe God, but I think God would have felt more authoritative. <laughs> but it could, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm not sure if it was an angel or God. Hmm. But the feeling was that it was watching me like it, like it watched a child in, in the playground. Basically, yes, that's how it, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to describe it. It's like, it's like an adult watching their, their child in the playground. And, and the adult says, hey, by the way, uh, don't run so fast around the corner because it's sharp, you could fall. Yeah. And that's what it was saying to me. Don't stay out here too long or otherwise you won't be able to go back. You, you, your, your, your heart can only stay, yeah, but so long. I think my heart probably stopped about a good maybe 10, 15 minutes. Mm. But uh, over there, it felt like I was playing around for about 45 an hour. <laughs> it just felt long. I mean, it just felt long. I mean, and I was playing with the water, playing with myself, laughing, joking, looking around. I, it, it just felt like I was there for much longer. But I think in reality, probably was about maybe 10, 15 minutes. I feel pretty sure that people are going to make this comment. So I'm going to ask you first. Yes, yes, yes. Do you feel pretty confident that your experience was nothing like what it would be if you were high? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. Because, I mean, when I was high, I would never, first thing, I never would experience an out of body, I would never be experienced. Um, high was more of a, the way I express myself, but it was never uh, an illusion like, <laughs> like I'm seeing things of myself. I'm dividing myself. I'm coming back. Somebody else is talking to me. No, no, no. This for me was, and it, and the other thing was that it it stayed. Um, clear in my mind for so long when i got high before i couldn't remember half the stuff i was doing or even saying this i can remember every detail from beginning to the end every detail the whole thing so that's how i know that it happened and i felt um what else can i say because the the, the thing was that um when i ate that cake it was not like smoking, like people smoke, they, they, they feel daisy. And it wasn't not like that because it was going from eating the cake, it was going directly into my bloodstream. And what it was doing was shutting down my organs. It was not getting me high. It was actually just shutting everything down. I don't know what was in that marijuana. To this day, I question if something else was added or whatever, but it was just shutting everything down. I couldn't breathe. I knew what was going on. That's why I was able to dial 911. It was not like I was, now all of a sudden I'm going to imagine everything. No, no, this was this was not a high that I've never, I've ever, ever 
had or seen. And this was something of life and death. Like I said, if you study 130 for, for your blood pressure, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> and so I was holding on to dear life. Oh, there's one thing also I forgot to say. As I was being wheeled into the, the hospital, um, I saw my, my dead mother again with with her she had this club she used to go on with like it was like 10 women she used to go out on the weekend with this club it was a club a women's club type of thing and she had this outfit on that i recognized and she was looking as i was past as they were wheeling me past her she was looking bent over looking at the desk of, of the hospital looking through papers to see where i was and what i got from that was that and she couldn't find me. What I got from that was that if she had found me, I would have I would have stayed. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have come back here. Hmm. But she never found me, and that was it. I just ruled by her, and I said, "Oh, there's mom," and they just ruled, and I I saw her. Yeah. I didn't mention this to the audience earlier, but Dennis is a professional musician. He's played with people like James Brown, Sister Sledge, the Stylistics. I feel pretty sure you've experienced this because I've talked to us about this before. As, as a musician myself, sometimes when you're on stage, the band is tight, the crowd is great. It's almost like a spiritual experience. It's almost like you become the music. One, do you feel that way sometimes? And two, after this experience, did your performance become enhanced or change? That's a good question. Um... I felt probably my performance uh, was more deeper, if you can say. Uh, the reasons why I was doing it was more uh, deeper, just more for the love instead of more for um, the prestige of it or the, oh, you're so great of it, the, the applause of it. I was more doing it because I, I love it. And it was for different reasons. Uh, than when I used to do it. When I used to do it, I just wanted to be the best and I want everybody to love it and that's it. That was that was my purpose. Um, I loved doing it, but but the, there was more purpose in that you, you have to be good, you have to be great, people have to love you. Now it's more I do it because I really love it and I hope that it's going to move you and move people. But I, it's not like an ambition, like I must, I got to, you know, it's not like that anymore. That's that's how it changed me, because before I was more into you know um, I wanted to, to look cool. I wanted to, to you know to you know to show success. I wanted to show how you know how great I was or whatever. But now it's the opposite. Now I just want to just um, do something that I love to do uh, and let my my soul feel that love and just pass it on to the people when I'm performing. So yes, in that way, it changed me a lot. It's not, I guess my performance is less um, superficial. <laughs> mm -hmm. When I say superficial, you know, the superficial reasons, I would say. You know, because I always like to do a great performance, but the reasons behind that performance was di were, were a lot different than after my near-death experience. You know, there's great artists who do things for a reason. They do it for... They need the attention or they need this or they need the, the acceptance of all these people telling them that they're great. 
now I don't need that anymore. Now it's just uh, for the love of doing it and sharing it and hoping that it, it has a positive effect on you or puts a smile on your face or something like that. That for me is greatness. <laughs> if you can do that, that's greatness. And that's it. Do you ever feel like in the moment during your actual performance, it becomes a spiritual experience? Um, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, music for me is a spiritual, uh, a spiritual experience because I'm never the same when I start. <laughs> Once I start, it changes my mood. It changes how I feel. I could even be feeling not so great. And then I play my music and I'm feeling wonderful. It's like my connection to God, basically. And uh, I'm doing something I love to do. And the minute you're doing something that you love to do, the minute you, you do that, you make a connection with the other side. All right. Did you get any gifts from these experiences, like clairvoyance or precognition or anything like that? Mm -hmm. oh, that's a really interesting one because, I, yeah, I did get, like I said, this kind of like, I don't know how to call it because um, it's like I'm able to read some things, energy um, from people. Um, they can ask me about kids. I, this could be a total stranger. And I could tell me, uh, just from holding their left hand, I can tell them things about themselves. They could tell me about their kids. I've never met them. They could just say, tell me the names, the two names. And I can tell them, oh, this one's a little bit more of uh, energy this one's more shy this one's more like this this one's more like that oh this one uh, doesn't like this person anymore or i can tell them all kinds of things that i could couldn't do that before so um and i can tell people about their health um there, there was one guy i did a reading for um he was um, next to me and he had pants and shoes and uh his legs looked just like normal legs. There was no hint of anything else. And he asked me about his health. And, uh, and he said, um, I have um, some problems with my body. So I, I took his left hand and I held it. And, and I told him, I said, um, your right leg is not, is not real. Some, something is not real about your right leg. And he said, how I, he said to me, now I believe that you are, you are real. He said, yes, it's an aesthetic leg, but you could never see that it's an aesthetic leg from visual or even from walking. He walked just like a normal person. But, but I said, your, your leg, uh, it's not a real leg. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, things like that. Uh, sometimes I get premonition about people too. Um, I had a friend who was, uh, well, that's not such a great story. <laughs> um, not a nice story. I'll, I'll tell you another story because uh, that story is more, uh, it, it's something that happened to me because I don't, I don't know he was supposed to leave this world or not. But anyway, um, that's, that's a real kind of a gruesome story, but I tell you another one that, that happened to me. Um, I was playing in a band in Montreal and uh, Canada, the, um, Mont Roland is the place. And, um, we were playing and it was like a, like a winter day, winter night. And there was nobody in the, the club. So, 
so we all had some beers and I was bored and there was a waitress and I, I said, give me your left hand. I'm going to tell you your future for fun. This was when I didn't know that I, I could do these things. And um, so she gave me her left hand and I told her, I said, um, you have a boyfriend that's paraplegic. And, and I didn't know her from a hole in the wall. I don't know her. I said, you have a boyfriend that's paraplegic and he blames you for his handicap. And you're going to leave him. And three months from now, you're going to meet the love of your life. And you're going to marry him. And you're going to be happy. And that's it. And I just put her hand away and I finished my beer. And 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 I didn't realize while I was telling her that story that she'd never said a word to me. She was just... But, I, you know, I had a few beers and I, I didn't pay no attention. The next year, we played that same club. She was still working at that same place. And she ran up to me. And she said to me, did you know that everything you told me was, was right? I said, no. I thought was, that was a joke. What? I said, your boyfriend's paraplegic? Really? Yes. And, she, and three months I met a guy and I, I fell in love with him and I married him. And I'm happy. Everything you said was right. And then the hair went up my arm. And I was kind of freaked out a little bit. And then I got used to it now and... Um, and yeah, a lot of things still happen. Uh, I, I'm very sensitive to energy and also um, crowds, even though I perform for a lot of crowds. I'm very sensitive to crowds, so sometimes I have to be more careful if it's a, if I feel the crowd is it's not such a great energy, which is, could be a negative or a negative energy or aggressive energy. So uh, I have to be a little bit more cautious about that because I feel it more than I think average person what is the significance of the left hand i don't know I, I didn't really i didn't really um i just judged that because that was the first um person i did and i did their left hand mm -hmm. so i just held their left hand it was not uh, no special reason i just because it worked at that time the first time I just kept doing it on the left hand instead of the right. That's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could do it on the right. You just probably never tried. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I never tried. I just thought that that would work. I don't know why. Maybe it's an intuition or uh, leftover from a download. I don't know. <laughs> but um just seems like correct for me. Yeah. So do you have to physically touch someone to get information like that? No, I can do it over the phone, but I find that I have to concentrate a little bit harder over the phone than I would if they were in person. Hmm. I don't know why, but it's like that. I, I've done it over the phone. Um, and I probably, you know, like I said, that thing is new for me. Sometimes I, I don't really know how it works. So um, maybe I really can, but over the phone, but I'm just so used to doing it in person that when it's over the phone, I, I start to think maybe I can't do it. Or, you know, I start to doubt myself. Maybe I can't do it over the phone, but I've mm -hmm. done it over the phone and it's worked. Mm -hmm. So, but it's just, I, I don't do it over the phone uh, normally. Right. I usually do it in person. Uh, that's, that's all. I think you do this publicly. So, and people from all over the world um, watch this podcast and you're based out of I think, oh, Switzerland. Okay. So, Yes, and, yes, you know, yes. If you're in Switzerland, they can come find you and you can do it for them in person. But if you're not there, then 
you know, maybe. Yeah, they can, can they can write me and, and, and I can do it on the phone. I, I'm always willing to, to try to help uh, because uh, for me, the that kind of gift is more to to help people. It's not to, you know, to bet on the races or stuff like that. <laughs> Are you a public person? Because after watching this podcast, people may just want to reach out to you and ask you questions or whatever. So do you welcome um, that that's or fine. private? I welcome no, I welcome that. Um, that's why I, I, you can leave them my email or whatever. That's okay. Um, and they can write me and then I, you know, I'll, I can talk with them or have a consultation with them. Um, I don't, I don't really care if my, my artist friends, uh, watch this. I mean, I, I mean, before I was really like, you know, oh, you know, they're going to find out and they're going to think I'm a Martian or something. Mm. But now, um, now I don't really care because I feel like, um, it's a, it happened to me for a reason, all of that. And um, if I can share it and if it's going to help somebody in a positive way um, or help them to discover who they are uh, more or ask more questions of who they are, then this is great. You know, um, yeah. And uh, I, tell, I tell the story of what happened to me and it's up to the people, you know, if they believe it, great. If they don't, still great for me i just present it because it happened to me and uh i know it was real <laughs> it was not um something uh made up or high or nothing like that because the 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 tar had taken all the all the drug out of me so that's why they left me alone in the hospital room by myself so and that's why I know that it, this was not a, an illusion or something like that. And I remember every detail to this day, every detail, every detail, mm. where on other occasions when if I had smoked before, I couldn't remember what I said the, the night before. This I remembered every day for years and years and years and years, every detail, how it started, what happened, uh, how I split myself in five, how I... How I was when I laughed, how I froze time, I had complete control over time, all of that. So that's how I know that it's real. And also my mother's situation, I have the proof. I have more more proof. All right, Dennis, I am running out of time. So before we okay. go, okay. do you have one last positive message that you can share with everybody? Uh, yes. Uh, first is that we live on. This is not the only life. Second is that dying is more easy than you think. <laughs> it's easy like drinking a glass of water. Third is that it's going to sound very cliche, but it's very true. What you're doing to somebody else, you're actually really doing to yourself. So if you judge someone fast or you get angry with someone fast you're really getting angry with yourself and the last is that um the earth is changing vibration right now and that's another thing that's it's dividing the people and people who want to be in fear and anger it's going to divide them and people who want love peace and, and freedom and harmony 
it's going to divide them but the earth is doing uh, a vibration change that's that's my the only thing I know or I feel or I sense from the spiritual world and that's it well Dennis thank you so much I really appreciate you sharing with us today I wish you massive success in whatever you do and have a great evening over there Hey, thank you for having me, and it's a pleasure to be on your show. And I, I, um, I love what you are doing, and that you're um, exposing all types of uh, uh, situations and experiences with uh, with the world and what's outside our world, and and life after death, and and also aliens and all of that. Uh, opening the mysteries to our everyday life. <laughs> Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you and take care. All right, Jeff. You too. Ciao, ciao, Jeff. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.